Well, if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to be in Titus chapter 3 today. Um, and as you do that, I want to uh, congratulate all of the uh, parents in the room, specifically you mothers who have done a great job planning and you've got all of it done already. The shopping, the wrapping, well done. To everyone else who is a last-minute shopper, <clears throat> dads, you've got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time. You've got a whole week, right? And thank goodness uh, Christmas Eve's on a Saturday, so you've got a whole weekend to, to get your shopping done. So uh, congratulations. Everybody's good. The stress is gone. Uh, here we go. So uh, as, as I was thinking through this week, one of the, my favorite things that we do in our house, when I say we, I really mean my wife, Taylor, is she decorates our house and it just makes a wonderful uh, atmosphere to celebrate the holidays in. And, and um, one of the things that she likes to do is replace our pictures. And so what, we'll do, what she'll do every year is she'll take our picture frames and she'll get Christmas pictures from the past and put them in the frames. And so every picture frame in the house is from a past Christmas. And so what happens when we do this is we, we kind of re, I don't know, just relive that Christmas when we pull that picture. Oh, you remember that? Well, there was this one particular Christmas that we talked about this week. And that, uh, for those of you who are parents or grandparents, you're going to understand this really well. And that is that, that one Christmas where your little, little ones are finally old enough to understand what is happening. Right? Like there's a couple of years there when they're first born that they're just, they're just a warm body in the room. And they don't know what a present is. And they certainly don't know it's for them. Right? We're, we're like taking their hand, putting it on the wrapper, and then pulling it off for them. And we're excited for them, and they don't know what's happening. But there's that one year where their birthday changes and Christmas changes because they know what is happening. And they know those gifts are for them. And so there's anticipation. And so there was this one particular Christmas that that kind of happened for us. We got several kiddos, and, and uh, this particular Christmas, we all knew this one's going to be different. They know what's coming. And so the grandparents, they overdid themselves, as always. I'm not saying they were competing for the love of the grandchildren. I'm not saying that, but there were lots of presents. And the kids were excited. We were excited. The grandparents were excited. The kids were losing their mind. And so we're like, all right, we unleash them. We start handing out presents. They start ripping the paper off. And they're excited. We're snapping pictures. Video cameras are out. And they open those presents, and they're, oh, my goodness, right? And the parents are like, oh, my goodness. It's just a great moment. That's what, that's what you pay the money for for the presents is that moment. And we know that because we want them to move on to the next gift quickly so we can have that moment again of that opening of the present. But that particular year, our kids did not want to move on to the next present. They were so excited about the present they just opened that they wanted to put it together, play with it. They, they were, this was the present. And we were like, wait, wait, put that present down. There's, there's more. Let's go back to the tree. And they're like, no, 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 no. I want to put this together right now. And so we had to make a, a, an in-game adjustment. And we said, hey, we're going to do halftime. We're going to let you play. We'll go eat dinner or breakfast. And we'll come back and we'll open more. And so that, it worked out fine. It was a great morning. And, and there were many more moments of that, aha, this is, yes, they, they love it. But as, as we were sharing, Taylor and I were talking about this story, it just, it kind of dawned on me as with this message in mind that, that I've done the same thing in my faith. And I wonder if we have as well. And that is this, 
that the, the origin, that there, there was a moment in our life that we understood the gospel message for the first time. That before it was like, okay, yeah, God's good. I go to church. Well, but there's that moment or maybe a season where the gospel of Jesus, that realization that, man, I, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. There's that moment. And it's a wonderful and terrible moment. It's terrible in the understanding of who we are without Christ. But then the joy comes when we look and we say, oh, but there's been a gift given. And his name is Jesus. And it's a wonderful moment. But what I realized was in my life, that happened for me when I was very young. But I just kind of stuck with that one present. I never went back to the tree to see if there was more that God had in that one present. And so for the Christians here this morning, those who have given their life to Christ, I wanna ask a question as we go on this morning is have we in the excitement of our initial understanding of the gospel, have we forgotten to return to see what all is included in this amazing gift of God that has been given to us in his son Jesus? Have we been distracted by life? And then we're just, you know what? I said a prayer, I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge that prayer again one day. Or maybe for those of you in the room today that you're with a friend or a family member or you're just a church goer, but you, you're not a Christian. You, you're not a follower of Jesus. I hope that this morning what you hear is that there is a God that made you and loves you. And that in his kindness, he has given you a gift of his son that you would be saved. Not because he's mad at you, but because he loves you. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the kindness of God that is lived out through his love for us. So let's go back to God's word and look and be reminded once again and discover more about the gift we have in Jesus, all right? Let's zoom in. Here we go. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Paul writes this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a Christmas passage because the goodness and the kindness of God has appeared. So my first point this morning is that the kindness of God is clear. The kindness of God is clear. When you read the letters that Paul writes in the New Testament, one thing that Paul does not ever do is shy away from our condition. He doesn't shy away from it. He tells us exactly like it is because clarity is kind. And since God is kind, he is also clear with us in his word about our condition. 
specifically apart from him. Right? He just read, Paul just wrote a whole list. Foolish. Hating one another. Disobedient. Slaves. That, that's who we are outside of Christ. Without Christ, that's who we are. We, we get, all you got to do is read a couple headlines. And we see our world. And this is it. And so Paul says, hey, listen. You were, we, we ourselves, he's including himself, right? We ourselves were once these things. We see this same kind of thought process in Matthew chapter nine when Jesus was having dinner with the tax collectors. Matthew nine says this, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. You see, Jesus was clear about our condition. That is why he came. Because let's be honest, if you go to the doctor, you want clarity. If your family member goes to the doctor, we want clarity. We don't want ambiguity. If, so, if you're not feeling well, if something's off, the last thing you want to hear at the doctor's office is like, you know what? I think you'll be all right. You'll be fine. Just, you, you just, just go. And you know what? I hope you make it back to your next appointment. Like, we, we do not want to hear that. We want to hear a very clear diagnosis so that we can get the remedy. And so clarity is kind. I think I, when, I, when I was young, I read these lists. I'm like, man, this is really judgmental of Paul to make these assumptions about me. He's just being clear about our condition apart from Christ. Because clarity is kind. There's a pastor in the 1800s. He was an Anglican bishop named J.C. Ryle. He says it this way. Christ is not fully valued until sin is clearly seen. We must know the depth and malignity of our disease in order to appreciate the great physician. We must accurately know our condition to truly appreciate the value of Christ, the gift that's been given. And I know you're probably sitting here saying, man, this is not the, the week before Christmas sermon I was hoping to hear. I get it. So let's move on. Because Paul moves on, and it's a wonderful turn. Right? He says, this is who you are. And then he says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. But he knows who we are. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Merry Christmas. Christmas is God's kindness appearing. If you're one of those that gets up early and it's dark out, you get the blessing of seeing the sunrise every day. And there's that moment where you're like, wow, that was that's a great sunrise. Christmas is a celebration of God's kindness appearing. And so that's my second point this morning is that the kindness of God intervenes. 
First, his kindness is clear. He sees our condition. He knows where we are. And he says, I'm going to intervene on your behalf. Jesus appeared. In verse 3, we see our behavior, our actions. And then in verse 4 through 7, Paul turns that corner and says, but let's turn our gaze to God. This is who we are. This is what he does. You see, his heart for us is not just transactional. God's heart for us is kindness and goodness and love. It says when the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, he saved us. It doesn't say when, when God decided that we were just so messed up that he was roll, done rolling his eyes, he's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna help these helpless people. No, 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 it wasn't frustration. It wasn't annoyance. It wasn't begrudging. It was his goodness and loving kindness that Jesus appeared. We know this. We see this on Christmas Day, don't we? Right? When, when you were little and you came out of your room or came downstairs, whatever your situation was, the presents under the tree were a representation of what? your parents and your grandparents love and kindness towards you. We love you, therefore we will give you a gift. And so that physical representation on Christmas morning, God says, let me show you my physical representation of my love for you in his son Jesus. It's a totally different and totally better gift than we could ever imagine. And so we understand this. Christmas morning, kindness appears. And that's what Paul's talking about. Is that when the goodness and kindness of God appeared, he saved us. Now, like I said, my, my kids didn't want to go back to the tree. They wanted just to, to sit there and be like, yes, awesome, this is great, this Lego, this toy, whatever it is. And I think sometimes we, we can stop here and say, yes, he saved us, those three words. He saved us, and we stop but let's dig just a little deeper and look at God's word and answer this question. What did he save us from? What did he save us from? First, he saved us physically from the power of sin. First Corinthians 10, 13, Paul writes, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But you, when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. In Galatians 5, Paul gives this encouragement. Walk by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The entire chapter of Romans 6 is talking about this idea that we, were, we are slaves to sin, but we have been set free in Christ. You see, as disciples of Jesus... We have a whole new arsenal of resources to live with, to empower us, because before we only have one option, and that is to sin, to be a slave to it, and, and to follow the desires and passions and pleasures of this world. But Christ, Jesus, saves us from the power of sin. Those new resources look very simply, it looks like God's spirit that indwells us and is always with us. It looks like God's word that teaches and trains and guides us. And it looks like being surrounded by God's people 
who surround us and encourage us and pray for us and bear burdens with us. Secondly, God saved us spiritually from the penalty of sin, not just the power of sin in our daily life, but spiritually from the penalty of sin. And this is the gospel message that we typically hear, is that Jesus saved you from the penalty of sin. And yes, he did. Right, Adam, we see this in Adam and Eve. In the garden, they were separated from God because of their sin. And so God, in his goodness and kindness, said, I'm going to intervene and I'm going to reconcile what has been broken. John 3, 17 and 18 says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. He's, the, the penalty is condemnation. And in Romans 8, Verse one, Paul reminds us again, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Jesus saves us from the penalty of sin. And thirdly, God saved, God saved us eternally from the presence of sin. Sin entered the garden and God could not be in the presence of sin. And so he had them leave the garden. He escorted them out. There's been a separation but Jesus comes to redeem and reconcile that broken relationship. And then one day, one day, there will be a day where there is no more sin. Everything in this world that we experience, good, bad, ugly, everything is tainted by sin. But one day, and we see that day described in Revelation 21. One day, this is what we will experience Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God for he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said this, I am making everything new. Jesus saves us from the presence of sin. That one day we will be with him and there will be no more sin. No more tears, no more death, no more pain. Psalm 1611, David writes, in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. In his presence, there is no ebb and flow of joy. We will experience the fullness of joy. You see, Christmas is both a celebration that looks back to what God has done, what he is doing now, and what will he will one day do. In God's kindness, our Savior appeared, and he saved us, both past, present, and future. So let's keep moving in this passage, because it just gets better. Here we go. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. My last point this morning is that the kindness of God is complete. 
The kindness of God is complete. See, on, on Christmas morning, and if you're a parent or if you've ever been in a room with small children when you've given a gift, the, the worst moment on Christmas morning is when they open the present and you realize that there's something on the front of that package that you did not see. And it's these words, batteries not included. <laughs> all the work, all the work of a parent of like, all right, I'm gonna get the perfect gift. I'm gonna wrap it up, off, they're gonna love it, and then they can't play with it. Because it's asking for that one particular like square rectangular battery that no one has. Or maybe it's assembly required. And you're like, oh man, you love the gift, I'll see you in three hours, give it to me, I'll go put it together. Right? That's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is complete. There is nothing to do, it has been to done. It is complete. Jesus did it. The gift is full. I love how he says, it's not because of works you have done in your righteousness. No assembly required. No assembly required. Here's what we get. In addition to him saving us, like it's that moment where you give a gift bag to a kid and they like pull out the card and like, no, no, there's more. Look again. Let's look again and see what the gift of Jesus includes because it's all included. We see the mercy of God in the person of the Holy Spirit that's been given to us, the wonderful counselor, that we're no longer alone. You may be physically alone, but he dwells inside the heart of a believer. You're no longer alone. You will always have a voice with you. You have new life. It's just that the Holy Spirit will regenerate you and renew you. That's the idea that he will continually cleanse you. There's, the cleansing doesn't have to happen before you come to the foot of the cross. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's, he will renew and he will restore. And so we get a new life in Christ. And then it says we are justified. We have a new position. We are no longer condemned. We are innocent in Christ. We've been made right in Christ. We get a new family. We become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We've been adopted into, into the family of God through Jesus Christ. And then you get eternal life, a new hope and a new joy, the fullness of joy, no more sin. And then when you look at verse eight, which we don't have on the screens, but we're, we're called to a new purpose. It says, hold on to these teachings, people of Crete that you may do the good works, right? That you might be about God's business, that what God cares about, you would now be about. That what God is doing, we would be doing, right? We talk about it around here a lot, that we would be known by our love because Christ is known by his love. It is his goodness and loving kindness that appeared. I wonder when we appear at work, when we appear at home, when we appear with our family here in a few days, we will have a choice. Will we be known by our love? Will we be a voice of hope at that dinner party? In our workplace? 
Because we've been given a wonderful gift in Christ, but we've also been given a new life and a new position and a new family and a new hope and a new joy and a new purpose as Christians. There is no bait and switch with God. His kindness is complete. Our salvation is offered as a complete package. It was bought by Christ. It was assembled by him and powered by him. Our role is to humbly and gratefully receive God's kindness, his son Jesus. And then we unpack it and unwrap it. And then daily, every season of our life, the highs and lows, we go back to the gift of Jesus. Because here's what I found in my life. There's always more. There's always more. The initial gift of salvation in Christ is good. It is awesome. But there are seasons where you don't feel that goodness. And so we go back to Jesus. And there's always more. So the kindness of God is clear about our condition. The kindness of God intervenes to rescue us from our condition. And the kindness of God is complete. It is finished. And my prayer is that you would receive it, you would unwrap it, and you would keep going back to it because there's always more. So what do we do with this this morning as we close? I'm a big, I'm a big fan of application. And so I wanna give you a challenge this week. It's not, it's not huge. But I would, I would encourage you and challenge you to memorize Titus 3, 4. Memorize, it's not long. But here's my, this is what I came across this week as I was preparing. Titus 3, 4 is Paul's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Titus 3, 4 says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, he saved us. God loves, God gives, and God saves. Titus 3, 4. Number two, would you find some time, and you're gonna have to plan it, to reflect on the kindness of God this week. Maybe you need to come back to Titus 3, 3 through 8, or 3 through 7, and just marinate in it a little while. Read it over, write it out. Just, would you just soak it in? Pause the busyness of the season and reflect on the kindness of God towards you. And then once we have reflected on it, let's reflect it. Go reflect the kindness of God. Take what we have received in Jesus and go offer it to others especially those that we don't want to. The ones that are easy not to be kind to, or we can just, it's not even that we're mean, it's we, we just withhold kindness. God is not a withholding God. Whenever Paul describes his attributes of what he has given us, it's always he has poured out. So could we do that? Could we memorize? Could we reflect and then reflect the kindness of God this week? Because I just want to encourage you as I close, in every circumstance, situation, and season, return to God and explore the depth of his care and love for you. He didn't just save you for two moments. 
the moment you came to know Christ as Savior and the moment you meet him as Savior. He didn't just save you for two moments. He saved you for every moment in between. Every day, every season, every moment. And walk with him in new life and new hope. We, we know the hope of this world, and it is lacking. Horribly lacking. Christmas is the celebration of our Savior Jesus arriving. It is the rich gift to mankind. So let us remember that God's unbelievable gift of his son Jesus is the result of his unbelievable kindness towards you. And may we be that voice of hope and kindness to the world around us. As I pray, would our, our prayer pastors come forward? Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you uh, just for your word. Thank you for the words of Paul uh, to his, his, son, his son in the faith, Titus. God, that can encourage us today. Lord, as we go into this week, would you remind us often that the presence of Jesus, that the presence and the appearance of Jesus is also the appearance and presence of your kindness and your love for us. So Lord, as we go through this week, as we worship on Christmas Eve, as we open presents, God, would you bring to our mind and remind us this is what your kindness looks like. We pray these things in your name. Amen.